Hi everyone, welcome to my podcast where we talk all things that are most dear to the heart. I'm Bobby Houston, co-senior pastor of Hillsong Church and founder of the Color Sisterhood. I'm passionate about seeing all people find Jesus as Saviour and gain a revelation of their value in Him and then rise up to make a stand for justice in the earth. This is a place that you'll hear from me, the Color Sisterhood team and some of our beloved friends. To find out more and stay up to date, please visit bobbyhouston.com and connect with me on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. It's a leap year also, by the way. We are leaping into a new decade with purpose in the name of Jesus Christ. And by the grace of God, it is gonna be wild. Everybody say wild. It is gonna be wild in Jesus' name. And you know, the truth is, truth be told, a new, a new decade obviously has begun for all of us. I know it is mid-February and we have had church since the beginning of January, but it's true. A new, dec- a new decade has actually begun for all of us. For you, for me, for sisterhood, for our church. A new decade has literally begun for this house, this church, this planting, if it's your planting. And you know what, if you were around on the weekend or you were at heart and soul, you would sense, I hope that your spiritual ears are open and if you've missed something, you need to go back and revisit what happened Sunday morning, Sunday night and Tuesday evening especially. But you know what, a new decade is springing up in our own church. It is a new decade actually for the body of Christ around the world. And you may not um, observe that or know that, but it is, there is movement in the camp of the body of Christ around the world. And it's actually a new decade for this world, for this planet. And people often have said, you know, at 2020, it would be a significant time in the history of humankind. And I actually believe that it is. And you know, I don't need to tell you girls today, but it has been a wild summer in Australia. And you know that, we know that literally. And it's been a wild summer that the world has watched in horror with us. And I've been overseas. We had like two and a half, three weeks um, in California, part of our vacation time and other. And you know, let, let me just encourage you, everyone you meet, whether in church or outside of church, the minute they sense that you're an Aussie, they're like, oh my gosh, how is everyone? Are you guys okay? We are watching, we are praying, we are so with you. There is such a sense where the world has watched what has been happening in our continent on so many levels. But you know, oftentimes, and I say this with care, oftentimes, you know what? It is the wild, unexpected, and daunting realities that make a way for something new. And again, I say that with care. This time last year, we were about to enter into that season of colour last year, and the language over it was, be found in the new. And if you recall, I didn't even really know what that was. I just felt it was the language. I felt it was prophetic. But to be honest, I didn't know what that year would, what that would look like. What does the new look like? Only God truly knows what the new looks like. But I believe that God is doing something new. And um, He really is. And you know, if you even consider the recent rains, the recent rains on our city, on a vast part of Australia, still other parts need rain, but the recent rains on our land just actually show how quickly the earth responds to water, how quickly the earth responds to moisture. 
And I'm saying that, yes, in the natural, but you think about that in the spiritual. How quickly a soul, how quickly the earth responds. And it's like, it's like almost overnight, right? Within a week or and a half or something, we went from dry, parched dust, a land so thirsty, to a land that is flourishing. I mean, I don't know if it's my eyes, but everything seems like it's emerald green. And again, it shows, I look at that and I think, how quickly the earth responds to water, how quickly even the human soul responds to water. And so I think, I think we have to be mindful of that. And, you know, revival is in the air. Yes, it is. It's been in the air for centuries, actually, in different areas of, the, of God's people and church and His body and His whatever. But, you know, it is still in the air. Revival is in the air. And um, our prayer, I just want to say this officially, our prayer is that um, for those who have been adversely affected in this season of mayhem in our nation, my, our prayer is that um, winter will quickly turn to springtime for you. Oh, actually, I feel really emotional. And I pray because it's the nature of God. It's the nature of the circle of life. It's the nature that um, the night will turn to dawn because that is the circuit of life. It is what, you know, um, it is what, you know, Genesis says, whilst the earth remains, seed time and harvest. Whilst the earth remains and the earth sees these cycles and, the, and it sees it in the natural and it sees it in the spiritual, but that's my prayer. Okay, obviously we are theming <laughs> this year wild, <laughs> FYI. And um, I, I just think it's awesome. I think, I think we're just gonna call this year wild women. All right, just wild women. And I'm gonna start today and continue next week and then we'll crack it open as the, the weeks and the months unfold. But I mean, obviously it is correct. Obviously, because after a game, Vision Sunday and like Heart and Soul on Tuesday night, it is obvious, praise the Lord, that we need to get more wild. We need to get more wild in our faith. We need to get more wild in our convictions. Hallelujah. I don't even really know what that looks like. We need to get more wild in our love affair with Jesus. And you know, this church has always had a love affair with Jesus. The sisterhood and the conferences, there's always been a love affair with Jesus. But you know what? It needs to intensify in Jesus' name. Amen. And I love what Brian was speaking of on the weekend. And it's not often that he goes into that kind of realm. I'm like, you're talking my language, honey. Where he, and he's clueless sometimes to what's Like, I'm like, do you even know that next week it's called Be Found in the Irresistible? And he's pretty much like, no. You know? But when he starts to kind of like touch on that, as if I may say, with humility of heart, the apostolic leader here, there's a difference to it. It's amazing. I believe that actually these words actually have the capacity to frame our year beautifully and um, to give us the traction, the good traction that we need going forward. So yeah, it's a bit of a visionary morning, but it's true, isn't it? We need traction. I mean, how many of you would agree with me that to journey onwards, to go the distance, to finish the course, hallelujah, how many of you would agree that to navigate the intersections of life, because it's the intersections of life where we make decisions, 
You girls all got yourselves here today to sisterhood around the country up into Indonesia, Bali. You know, you drove here or you rode your bicycle or you walked, but you had constant intersections in life to get here. You were either turning right, you were turning left, or you were navigating those pesky roundabouts. But you know what? To navigate the intersections of life, to stay upright when the path or the slopes get a little slippery, which can happen from time to time, for us to not fall, to not weary out, to not expire, to not be sidetracked by things like assault or attack or deception, for us not to be sidetracked in this 20, 20 century, whatever we're in, you know, for us to, by the grace of God, press on and attain, we need traction and we need grip in Jesus' name. And I am pretty confident that wisdom and wisdom alone is what delivers that into our lives. Can I remind us that 31, Proverbs 31 is still our foundational blueprint. Can I remind us that the Sisterhood book, if you've not read it, is our roadmap. Can I remind that the road is still leading humanity home. The road is still leading you home. And you know what? On that journey, we need traction and we need grip. We seriously do. You know, this summer, we, um, we all watched a family um, in our nation navigate um, an immense loss. You know, we watched a family um, lose three children, four in their family, but three children to a hor- horrific pedestrian accident. And if you observe that, and I was observing it from afar because I was overseas, okay, that was a family with a grip on God. Would you agree? A family with a grip on God, with a grip on forgiveness, oh my goodness, with a grip on grace. And again, to my understanding, that bore enormous public and private testimony. An unusual, I believe, an unusual display of wisdom and grace, listen to me, to a nation um, that is fervently having revival sung over it and prayed over it. We are singing revival into the atmosphere. We're not alone in this. It's a cry coming up out of the body of Christ, but as a church, Revival songs, revival songs. I'll send your fires, send your outpouring, send revival. Well, sometimes stuff happens to arrest people's attention. And I'm not even remotely suggesting for one moment, because I do not believe this, that God is the author of pain or disaster or tragedy, but He will use whatever is happening on the landscape of the planet to awaken people to grace. And I'm shocked. I asked Laura this yesterday. I said, did that, because I was away, was that funeral telecast? She said, yes, it was. And I'm like, wow. Again, an unusual display of wisdom and grace to a nation, because the nation paid attention, right? It has been prayed and sung over. So it was wisdom. Everyone say Wisdom. Is wisdom new to the landscape here? Answer me. 
No, it is not. It's not new. You know, wisdom is the language of this house. It is the language of sisterhood. It is the language of Thursday mornings because wisdom is always applicable and precise. Doesn't matter where you are in life, wisdom, the wisdom of God will always be applicable and precise in your life. You know, I'm um, currently walking... um, someone through a major disappointment. We have a remarkable pastoral care team in this house and all over the nation and Margaret Agajanian and many others head that up. But you know, Brian and I also pastor people. We have a global imprint, we have a global footprint, we have a lot of people in our realm of nearness. And so again, been walking someone through a major dis- disappointment and do you know what, my constant um, response to them, you know, I've, I've, I've said it verbally, but I've said it verbally carefully, you know, but inside my heart, this is my constant response. Basically, I'm saying, okay, but you know, this situation, this is actually where we get to put into practice everything that we have ever believed, taught, talked about, or preached. I mean, it really is. When stuff happens, that is your opportunity to put into practice what you believe. And I was, you know, reading um, Eugene Peterson's book, um, Along Obedience in the Same Direction. It's been a, a slow burn read for me over the summer. And I think somewhere in there he says, you know, the greatest shock to Christians is that life is not going to be perfect. The greatest shock. And he said, you know, the whole objective of life is to get home. To get home and to get one another home. And to not be rattled or flawed or thrown off guard when something happens. And, you know, on that note, Sam, can I just say as we just talk vision here and hopefully not growl it, but I'm not growling at you, am I? I'm speaking into your hearts. But, you know, like Psalm Psalm 92 is not a fairy tale. It is not a fairy tale. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord, who turn up week after week after week with their ears open, their heart open, Do you know what? They flourish in life. They flourish in life and they emerge with a resilience. Everyone say resilience. A resilience that is breathtaking, that is otherworldly, that is literally of great testimony. And again, as we set course this year, that is what we do on a Thursday. This is what we do on a Thursday. We turn up, we hang out, We do life, hallelujah. We share story. We share testimony. We literally rehearse the faith place. We rehearse the faith place, not the sad place, not the broken place, not the not perfect place, but we rehearse the faith place with one another and we leak wisdom and we become a force for good in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Do you like that? Three verses. Um, three exhortations and just a handful of hope from my heart to you for this year. Is that all right? So one is an exhortation to wisdom, one is an exhortation to purpose, and one is an exhortation to fruitfulness, as in the fruitfulness that this branch within the vine of this house can bring and needs to bring and is called to bring. All right, so number one, it's gonna go on the screen. All right, this first one is an exhortation to wisdom. May we be the wild women and the wild children of wisdom. Obviously, the wild women and the wild children of wisdom. The verse that I felt quick in this morning is Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7 and verse 35. And in the Amplified, it reads like this. Yet wisdom is vindicated 
shown to be true and divine by all her children, by their life, their character, and their deeds. Just leave it on the screen for a moment. Yet wisdom is vindicated, shown to be true and divine by all her children, by their life, their character, and their their deeds. You know, the context here is is the Lord Jesus Christ is, um, He is teaching and He is correcting the crowd, obviously. And at one point, He um, repeatedly asks them, um, speaking of himself, speaking of John the Baptist, he repeatedly asked them the question, so what did you come out to see? Like, what did you come out to see? Did you come out with John the Baptist? They were the disciples and the followers of John the Baptist. Did you come out to see, um, how does he put it, like a reed blowing in the wind? Did you come out to see someone dressed in soft apparel? Did you come out to see someone in kingly robe or princely garment or whatever? What did you come out to see? Did you come out to see a prophet? What did you come out to see? And then the context in there talks about a generation. I have trouble sometimes understanding that particular comment that Jesus makes there, but he's talking to that generation. And do you know what? Our generation, this generation today, girls, this generation on the earth, do you know what? They can't see. I mean, I don't say that in a condescending way. I don't say it in an elitist way, but they can't see. They cannot see. They have such a distorted perception, such a distorted um, view of God, of Jesus, of His goodness, of the church, And they need the eyes of their understanding enlightened in order that they may know the hope of His calling and the riches of His glory. That's Ephesians 1 verse 18. I didn't have it for the team out there. But you know, they need their eyes enlightened, right? They need help to see. And again, I honestly believe that as the church, as the daughters, we are here to help correct that vision for them. You and I, in our everyday lives, I'm not just meaning from a platform preach, I'm just saying in our everyday lives, we are there, Sisterhood 101, we are there to help people see differently, to see differently, for their eyes to be enlightened. Who would agree that um, at rebirth, like when you get born again, when you open your heart and give your life to Christ, And I'm mindful that there might be girls even here today and you're like, wow, I don't even really know what that means. I just wanna encourage you if you're listening on, on the screen or somewhere, somewhere in the world, if you don't know what that means, just open your heart because there is a Saviour King, His name is Jesus. And He came to love you and to redeem you and to rescue you and to be for you, to give you a future and a hope. But you know, to come back to my question, how many of us know that at rebirth, at salvation, We not only get a new heart, but in many ways we kind of get a new lens to look through. Would you agree? Speaking in metaphor analogy here, we get a new heart, obviously, but we also get a new lens to look through. So girls, I don't know if you heard Brian mention on the weekend, but um, I just had eye lens replacement. All right, not just laser, I don't know what that's called, Lasix or something. Um, no, I had lens, eye lens replacement. So basically, I had a, I wasn't planning to. I just went to see if I was a candidate when I was in America, and suddenly it was happening. I was like, "Excuse me, I just have to like check on that. Just talk to my husband about that before you like lock me into surgery." But anyway, they were fabulous. But anyway, 
So, um, so basically, do you want to know what happens? Some of you are going to vomit. Okay, so it's surgery. Like you actually go to theatre, you actually have an, an, a twilight anaesthetic, which just helps you relax. You know, you lie on the bed, they tie your hands down because you're not asleep, you're awake. When they cut your eyeball <laughs> and then extract your eye lens with a cataract. I had a bit of a cataract happening, so that was good for me because it meant insurance helped on that note. But uh, yes, yeah, so they cut it open, they extract it, and all while you're awake, lying there with your hands tied down so you can't like fight them off. And then they slip a new artificial lens in and bingo, you're supposed to be able to see. Yes. Does that sound inviting to any of you? Are you proud of me? I know. So I had one eye done and then I had to wait a week and then get another one done. And it's been awesome. I can actually see. I'm actually reading without my glasses. I can actually see my notes. It's amazing. Um, you're, sometimes you all get a little bit fuzzy because I'm still healing. It's like a camera, the lens sort of, so if you see me doing that. And then sometimes when you look at bright lights, like um, driver's car, like tail lights and that, um, this is weird, this is a side effect. You see concentric circles around. So it's a little bit trippy. I thought I was getting away with not gonna have that side effect. Brian has it, he goes, sometimes, Bobby, the lights around, the lights around that street light are as tall as the building. And I'm like, it's like a psychedelic experience. But anyway, <laughs> if you're following me at night driving and, you, and someone's driving at like 30 miles per hour, it's because I'm trying to navigate the, the concentric circles that are coming on at me with all the cars and that. But anyway, dribbling on here, hallelujah. Welcome back to Sisterhood. Um, but afterwards, this is what the doctor said. Of course, they say this afterwards, don't they? Like the day afterward when you go for a checkup. The doctor said, um, so, Mrs. Houston, Roberta, that's my official name. <laughs> Roberta, so come in, Roberta. <laughs> Okay, um, he says, he says, right, so you need to know, the success of the surgery, 50% is the surgery, right? Then 25% of the success is your due diligence with the drops. So a regimen of drops for five weeks. And then he said, and then if you're not happy in a few weeks or months, um, come back and 25% of it will be, we will polish the lens. To which I said, what does that look like? I'm like, what are you talking about? You're pollock, is that like theatre again? And they're like, no, no, we just do something here and I have no idea what it is. So I'm not believing for that. But here's the analogy, girls. <laughs> you know, like I said, at Salvation, we get a new heart and we get a new lens and we get a new way of seeing. We really do. Does anyone remember the day after you got saved? Like waking up the next morning, you kind of looked things differently, you felt differently towards people. I don't know, I certainly did. I didn't want to walk around the school schoolyard criticising people, because that's what we used to do the, day, the week before. I got saved Sunday night, Monday I was like, it doesn't feel right to do that. Like it's a new way of seeing. But again, it is the ongoing, the analogy here, it is the ongoing word 
and due diligence to that word that polishes the truth in our lives, which makes everything resonate more bright, more clear, and more wild. Do you know that to be true? It's true. It's what it's like it it polishes our lives. Proverbs 4:18 says, The path of the just shines brighter and brighter to the perfect day. The path of the just shines brighter and brighter. In the message it says, the ways of right living people glow with the light. Listen to this. The longer they live, the brighter they shine. Isn't that awesome? But the road of wrongdoing gets just darker and darker. Travellers can't see a thing and they fall flat on their faces. The ways of the right living glow with light. And the longer they live, the longer they live, the brighter they shine. So I'm kind of excited. My hope for sisterhood this year is that lives and character and deeds are gonna shine brighter than ever before. And that we will dazzle people, not in a vainglorious way, but we will dazzle people with the beauty and the brilliance of wisdom upon our lives. And you know, have I been preaching this message for 20 something years? Yes, I have. But you know what? It just gets brighter and brighter and more powerful and more powerful. My hope is that um, wisdom within, I want you to hear this, is gonna help others find pathways of vindication. So again, that verse in Luke says, yet wisdom is vindicated, shown to be true and divine by all her children. Vindication literally means to clear, acquit, absolve, justify, demonstrate. Imagine your personal grip or grasp on what is true and divine, having the capacity to help vindicate others. That's actually pretty beautiful. That is beautiful. You know, I don't recall if I've told you this or not. Probably not. But somewhere last year, um, I agonised with a couple. I agonised over a text that um, I sent. And I stood for an hour at my bench at midnight, agonising over this text I was seeking to help and counsel someone. And I just remember for one hour, like I just said, agonising over the words, the tone, um, just just the wisdom within it, by the grace of God, I felt anguish and I felt um, travail, I felt intercession. And one hour, sat and looked at it for one hour, like Father in heaven, one hour, looking at my phone and this text. And then I sent it and went to bed. And when I woke up, there was a response that said that was the most pivotal moment for them. Okay, that is not my genius. I actually believe it was the Holy Spirit beside me at that bench seeking their deliverance and their rescue, their vindication. You know, the Bible says that vindication, the Bible actually says vindication is mine, says the Lord. Well, in the same manner that a spirit of reconciliation needs a vehicle, so does a spirit of vindication. It needs a a vehicle to work through. And I pray, girls, that what God has in store for us, the people He has along this road that leads home this year, that we're gonna meet people and we're gonna be able to help them, amen? You know, we sing a song, um, it's one of the beautiful songs. I think it's Lay Your Burden Down. It says, you're my amnesty, 
my split wide sea, my every good thing. You're my amnesty. Amnesty is pardon. You're my amnesty. You're my split wide sea where there was no way through, like the children, you know, of Israel going through the sea. You're my split wide sea. You're my every good thing. And if there's one thing I wanna labour when I get to colour in two weeks' time is the goodness of God. Remind us, you know, to remind ourselves of who God is is a good thing. It never grows old, amen? I love it. So I hope that, and this is a, this is a throwaway line, but I, I really hope that we can be part of an invasion of grace on the earth. And I believe that an invasion of grace is coming to the earth, and I pray that we can be a part of it. Number two, I need to go fast. Second is an exhortation to purpose. May we be wild women in whom depths of purpose and layers of meaning find expression. The other verse that I felt quickened was Psalm 92. It's a Sunday morning song of praise. I love that, a Sunday morning song of praise. I mean, obviously it was written back in the day when they didn't have a revelation that Thursday morning could be awesome as well. But you know, it's called a Sunday morning song of praise, a poetic praise song for the day of worship. I'm just gonna read it and then camp on one verse. Verse one, it says, it is so enjoyable, hallelujah. It is so enjoyable on a Thursday morning to come before you, Lord, with uncontrollable praises spilling from our hearts. How we love to sing our praises over and over to you, the matchless God, high and exalted over all. At each and every sunrise, hallelujah, everyone say sunrise. At each and every sunrise, we will be thanking you for your kindness and your love. As the sun sets, say sun sets. (laughs) As the sun sets and all through the night, we will keep proclaiming, You are faithful. Verse five, listen to this in six. What mighty miracles, your power at work, just to name a few. Depths of purpose, depths of purpose and layers of meaning saturate everything you do. Such amazing mysteries found within every miracle that nearly everyone seems to miss. Those with no discernment can never really discover the deep and glorious secrets hidden in your ways. It continues, verse 10, your anointing has made me strong and mighty. You empowered my life for triumph by pouring fresh oil over me. Yes, look how you've made all your lovers to flourish like palm trees, each one growing in victory, standing with strength. You've transplanted, this is the classic Psalm 92, house of God. You've transplanted them into your heavenly courtyard where they are thriving before you. For your For in your presence, they will still overflow and be anointed. Even in their old age, they will stay fresh, bearing luscious fruit and abiding faithfully. Verse 15, listen to them. Listen to those who are planted in the house of God. With pleasure, they still proclaim, you're so good. You're my beautiful strength. You've never made a mistake with me. Look, I don't have time to go back onto verses five and six. But what resonated out of that was depths of purpose and layers of meaning will saturate our lives. Depths of purpose and layers of meaning. Depths of purpose and layers of meaning. Like girls, I don't even know what that means, but God does. And there are depths and depths and depths yet to be unlocked. In your lives, Cass Langton, in your life, Beckwood in your life, Donna Crouch, Margaret, I'm just going across the front row. In your life, there are depths of purpose more to be unfolded out of and unlocked out of our lives. And I just wanna encourage us girls not to lose our grip, our grip on God because those 
Again, like the Scripture says, amazing mysteries yet to unfold. Who knows what tomorrow will unlock? I mean, honestly, who knows what the right girl in the right place at the right time will unlock? Vision Sunday, if you saw the piece on Barcelona, Juan, Juan and Damsey. Okay, listen, past tense. Who knew the depth of purpose in this young, tiny, they're so tiny, <laughs> this young, tiny Spanish couple who stood in that aisle at the end of a sisterhood, I don't know, probably eight years ago, tapped me and said, Pastor Bobby, we're leaving. Our college season is over. We're going back to Europe. We've been advised to go sit in London. You know, obviously they had Spain in their heart. Who knew? Who knew? I didn't even like, hadn't, they'd been here for like, I don't know, two or three years. And I was like, I feel like I don't even know you. Who knew what would happen? Who knows? Present tense. Who knows if you watch that piece on Barcelona? Who knows what the scarlet thread of redemption on their lives will lead to in a Catholicism-saturated nation? Who knows? Did you note how powerful that was with the priest? Did you note that? Do you know, I love the Catholic Church. If I posted something on Instagram about the Pope, I would get berated by haters. I don't care. I know that there are multiplied millions of people within the Catholic faith who love Jesus, who love the Holy Spirit, and are hungry for truth. And um, I don't know, but I sense God is going to break open something when it comes to the Catholic Church and the part that we get to play in um, helping to unveil and bring something beautiful. Like, I mean, who knows? And those threads are actually happening all over the world right now. So, um, of course, you know, if you have no discernment and you have no passion, you don't get to be a part of it. <laughs> Praise the Lord. And then number three, oh, look at my hair. Number three is an exhortation to fruitfulness. May we be like the wild sunflowers of the field that endlessly follow the sun or the sun. Hallelujah. And um, this is just a cute little thought, but, you know, I, I cannot pull my, myself away from um, 2 Corinthians 13. Um, I, put it in, I put it in here for you. But... Um, it talks about love, delights in the flowering of truth. And you know, colour and sisterhood has always been a garden. We know that, an oasis. And um, you know, this might sound a little bit corny, but I'm, I'm gonna finish with that. The team can actually come up and join me. But um, I really pray that we can kind of be like his sunflower girls. Is that okay? Because yesterday afternoon, unintentionally, like I had forgotten that we were giving out sunflowers. I mean, I had actually forgotten that I had put sunflowers all down here on your card. Um, forgotten that we did watering cans and everything at Sisterhood United night last year with sunflower seeds. But yesterday afternoon, I remembered. And so I Googled sunflower and asked questions like, why are sunflowers unique? I want you to listen to this in light of um, the weekend. 
It says of a sunflower that at bud stage, sunflowers exhibit a unique trait wherein the bud faces the sun at all times throughout the day. Who knows that to be true? We know that is true of sunflowers. Um, The sunflower, it starts by facing, it starts the day by facing the east and ends the day facing the west, obviously. Keep in mind what Brian was talking to us about. It starts the day by facing the east and it follows the sun across its course and it ends its day by facing the west. The sunflower is the only flower with the word flower in its name. So it's not a geranium, it's not a agapantha, it's not a rose, it's a sunflower. And it is often regarded as a spiritual flower. Look, I'm sure the New Ages have taken hold of this as well, but just bear with me. (laughs) Apparently, the sunflower, it positions itself. It positions itself directly to receive the sun's gaze. They are a symbol of faith, adoration, and loyalty to something that is much bigger and brighter than themselves. Isn't that beautiful? A question was asked, do sunflowers look at each other? Well, apparently not, all right? Sunflowers, I just thought this was hysterical. Sunflowers don't face each other when it's cloudy because it takes a lot of effort to move their heads around. But when they are grown and when they are mature, they face the east all day long. I've got three images for you. First one going, oh, there it is already. Praise the Lord. So just imagine that's you. Isn't that beautiful? That's sunflower. We all know that sunflower oil is not good for you, right? (laughs) I don't think it's good for you. Anyway, beautiful, all right? Here we are, little sunflower girl. Next image. Okay, here's a few of us together, right? All right, and I kind of like the dishevelled nature because that's kind of us as well. I mean, there's obviously someone over here who's getting it wrong. kind of lost their petals. All right, I hope on the other locations you can see the screen. All right, but nevertheless, here we are. Glory, hallelujah. God's sunflower girls. And then the third image. That's what a truly wild field of sunflowers looks like. I want that image to stay with us for a moment. I love it. So again, keep the image up there. Keep Brian's message in mind. The east wind speaks of challenge, opposition, storm. The west wind speaks of deliverance. The north wind speaks of the majesty of God. And the south wind represents the soft breeze of heaven upon the garden that brings greater fruitfulness. My hope is that like the sunflower, like the sunflower, my hope is that like the sunflower, we will position ourselves in the gaze of heaven. It's up to you, little sunflower person. It's up to you. I can't do it for you. You can't do it for me. My hope is that like the sunflower, we will be a symbol or example of faith and adoration and loyalty to something that is bigger than ourselves. My hope is that like the sunflower and like the psalmist, right? 
that we might start the day facing the east wind when life presents. We wake up, we encounter life, its challenges, its storms from occasion. But that we will end the day facing west, knowing his faithfulness and knowing his deliverance. My hope, this is the best one. (laughs) My hope is that when the cloudy days beset us, our strength will not be in sisters who um, refuse to look our way because it takes so much effort to turn your head, apparently, but rather our hope and our strength will be in sisters whose relentless gaze is towards the Son of God. Can you imagine that, like spiritually? Can you imagine that spiritually? It's like you're having a meltdown, whatever, and you've got this whole sisterhood alongside of you who are going, keep looking forward, keep looking forward. I'm not taking my gaze off heaven for you. I'm not taking my gaze off heaven for you. I'm here for you. That's what that picture paints for me. And so, you know what, my hope this year, and I'm done, is that um, whatever, whatever the year brings and wherever the year takes us, um, is that it's gonna be pleasing and aromatic to our Saviour King. Is that okay? In Jesus' name, why don't you close your Bibles? I'm gonna pray for you. Father God, that is our heart and that is our desire, Lord Jesus. I love, Father, that nature teaches us so many lessons. And Lord, when you look at us, when you look at your church, you see a great army. When you look at your daughters, you see a troop within that army. You see us ready and poised and gathered. And Father, I do pray that a spirit of unity will just saturate our sisterhood here in Australia and and in Bali. Father God, I pray that you'll do something magical and wonderful in our midst. And we'll give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' Name. Amen. Amen. Why don't you stand to your feet? You know what? I don't know where wild women will go, but how does this sound? Imagine wild women, wild devotion, wild first love, wild wives. (laughs) Wild wives, wild mothers, wild confidence, wild creatives, innovators, influencers, pioneers. Imagine wild faith and a wild sense of calling and ministry and purpose in Jesus' Name, amen? Amen, beautiful. I'm gonna release you girls to close your meeting how you wish. I love you, we'll see you next week. And um, can we just take one moment right now before anyone leaves, just to still our hearts and for us to give you an opportunity for girls to draw near to the Son of God, this Jesus that I've been talking about. And I'm, you know, I don't know, I don't know who you are, I don't know where you're at in life, but if by chance you're here with a hungry heart and a searching heart, and a need for a reason for your existence. If you're here, just not really feeling the closeness or the presence of a God that is obvious to so many in the room, I'd just love to lead you you in a prayer. Is that all right? I'm gonna ask everyone just to close your eyes and um, pray this prayer with me. And if you want to, why don't you open your heart and pray it with sincerity. And I promise the King of Heaven will hear you this morning. Amen. So let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, thank You for the gift of Your Son. This morning, I open my heart and my life to the Lord Jesus Christ. I recognise that He is the Son of God and that He came to rescue me and to close the great divide. So this morning, Jesus, 
I ask You to become Lord and Saviour of my life, to forgive me of my sin and mistakes and to give me a new start. Lord Jesus, Your Word declares that when we do this, it is like I am a new creation. I have a new heart and a new way of seeing. So I trust in Your Word and I trust in this prayer and I thank You for salvation today. In Your Name, Amen. Amen, beautiful. Thank you so much for tuning into this podcast. I hope you have found it encouraging and uplifting and helpful. Don't forget, you can subscribe on iTunes to make sure you get all of the latest episodes as soon as they're released. And if you have time, I'd love to hear from you. Write to me in the review or comments section. I look forward to being with you again next time.